Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of the Max Potential Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Barrientes, and today we have on a unique, exciting guest. So I know this podcast hits both men and women, people who are building businesses, but when I ran into White Dove Gannon, who is the owner and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement on LinkedIn, I loved her bio. And you know, those of you who have been listening to me for a while know that I have a, a background in gender studies. Um, my PhD is in sociology with a focus on gender studies. And so I read her bio and I was like, oh, we've got a jam. And I ended up reaching out to her and then we got on a Zoom and we're talking, we're talking and she said something about um, being in Boulder. And, and I was like, wait, what? I live in Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this really cool just synchronicity and and you know, I love it when things come together like that. And we started jamming about business and women and entrepreneurship and the masculine and feminine parts of business. So today we are going to have a deep dive conversation into all things men, women, podcasting, business, challenges, growth. She's an actual badass. She's built several businesses. She's got built businesses to the six and seven figure mark. Now she's starting a new podcast and she coaches women specifically. Um, she's just person so let's jam and get going welcome to the show thank you thank you so much for having me I'm excited yes I'm so glad you're here and I can't wait to see you in person too I know it's <laughs> gonna have to happen soon yes definitely okay so first to start out just share with us what your your background in business you know give a little overview of how you became a businesswoman enjoying entrepreneurship not enjoying entrepreneurship, <laughs> all of those things. Well, I first, my, I, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, let's just put that out there because that is a thing for real. Yeah. Um, but I stumbled into it because my husband created a construction business back in 97. And by default, I became the person that did all the administrative, all the office, ran the entire, you know, um, the executive side of it. And we built the corporation and that was our first business. We went to multiple seven figures with that business and did really, really well. We had um, board of directors, we had employees, we had fleets, we had you know warehouses, we had all the whole thing that goes along with a very large scale uh, construction business. Um, so I would say that I was an entrepreneur, but I was an employee entrepreneur at that point in time because it was just very nine to five-ish or whatever. I could choose my hours. I had the perks of being able to spend the money how I wanted and choose my hours. So yay for that in my 20s. But outside of that, I was very uh, adventurous and creative and decided to, in conjunction with that, build a retail business, a secondhand consignment kids clothes store. And so uh, in 2000, I op uh, 2001, I opened that up. And so six months of that, it was great. I wanted to be able to do something fun. The construction business was doing well. I had my own people that I had for my stuff and I was just bored of that. So I created the store and then we moved 50 miles away. And so the store no longer made sense. So I shut it down, took a loss. That was my first independent entrepreneurial venture. After that, uh, we decided to, we saw the construction company and we were 9-11 uh, hit. We turned around and had to make some diversifying decisions with the business because the area of expertise and niche that we were in was phasing out. It was had to do with new home building. And so it phased out every, all of our contracts we fulfilled and we got into a really cutthroat side of the construction industry and did not love that because that was, that's the part that we don't, we, we couldn't be creative and we couldn't have the relationships. It was just a whole different beast. And so we decided to be adventurous and we were going to shut the business down and move to Kansas on 160 acres and who knows what we were going to do. We had romanticized ideas of being farmers and ranchers and all, all the things, right? Um, but it was either we do it or we don't. And it was late 20s. We still had the construction business, so we took everything out there. We packed everything up, sold the house, went out to Kansas. And then we get there in this, we had a beautiful home in Evergreen, and then we get out there to this little tiny farmhouse, and I was pregnant, and I just sat there and thought, I cried, actually. What in the world did we just do? I mean, no family, no friends, we knew no one. We took our little tiny family out there, and it was like, okay, we did this. We wanted to take a gamble and see what this looked like. Now let's do something with it. 
we ended up not closing the construction business. He ended up getting work out there. But again, I was just like, okay, what do I do? 160 acres. Let's make some money with this. What can we do? So I, uh, in four years mm -hmm. created a sustainable farm where it was all the meat products by the fourth year. I was wholesale retailer licensed by the state to bring our meat products by the cut to the farmer's market. So I was ahead of my time in 2007 is when that was. Took my stuff to the farmer's market, sold it like you could, you could buy two pork chops in a package. It was under our label. We had uh, processors that did it for us that were federally licensed. You know, so we were legitimate all the way. Nobody was quite doing that yet. Now it's rampant all over the place. Everybody knows what that is, but I, I gambled and said, I want to do this. It was such hard work, but it was okay because I wasn't opposed to the hard work. It was just at the fourth year, I could see no end in sight. I could see mm -hmm. that the kids were going to grow up and move on. And I wanted them to, and I was going to be stuck in this really um, remote area with my animals. And I'm an extrovert. And I know that I was, you know, I, I knew intuitively I was meant for more than that. So I was like, this is not it. And it was, it's one of those things where one day it hits you that this isn't it. It's not mm -hmm. a failure. It's a shift. And you realize it becomes crystal clear and you just know. And so I came home from uh, the farmer's market that day and I told my husband, I said, I'm done. I'm done. And he was like, oh yeah, sounds great. And I was like, no, I want to go back to Denver. And he was like, what? I mean, it was like hunter's paradise out there for those people that love that kind of stuff. Although my husband built all of the things for hunting and funnels and knew all the stuff, but he never hunted. You know, I mean, it was just, it was the opportunity and the possibility of what could be that was yeah. really cool about being out there, but so very far away from my family, his family, um, our kids that had grown up here, you know, for the first 10 years of their life, you know, when we moved out, it just, all the things it wasn't, it just wasn't quite right. So we shut the construction business down, shut the farm down, auctioned everything, you know, like sold because everything you, you sell all of your stuff at an auction. It's not like it gets auctioned because you have to get rid of it. You actually, you actually have an auctioneer come to your place and instead of like nickel and diming people to come purchase all your farm equipment, your construction mm -hmm. equipment, all that stuff. So we had this major auction with hundreds of people that showed up, shut everything down, packed up our family and came back. And we decided to just take the seed money, sit on what we had, and okay, what's next? Neither one of us had gone to college. Neither, neither one of us had thought about what that looks like because we were entrepreneurs and we had successful businesses. We knew what success looked like. We had hit those milestones. So like, okay, my husband, he was like, I'm not, not interested. Not interested in doing another business. He, he had a harder time dealing with the change coming back because he felt like a failure. So we had the businesses for, you know, uh, the construction business for 13 years. And that was really his baby. And so he really took it hard in his late thirties and was just like, now what, how do I provide for my family? What am I supposed to do? This is all I've known for 13 years. And then prior to that, he had um, a partner, um, in the same joint venture, same business uh, type in a different town. And then when we, we had shifted for his business. So he had been doing this for 16 years. And that was really kind of a hard thing for him to accept because he didn't know where to start. He actually went entry level to a job and I just said, okay, you can go to college or I can go to college, but I think it'd be great if one of us did. So he's like, nope, I'm just, I'm not interested because uh, he was really at that low point, you know, at a point in his life where he's just like, I no, I'm, I don't, I'm not invested. And so I did. And I struggled for two years. I went full time during the day when my kids were in preschool and um, elementary school, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought be a vet. Oh, okay. That's going to take forever. And I just, okay, no. And then, you know, and then um, business degree made sense because I had been entrepreneurial. So I thought, okay, let's just dive into that part of it. Once I did that, I fought being an accountant because I was, I had done all the back office stuff. I knew all of it. I, I could do it operational accounting, like the back of my hand. I knew it, but I didn't want to get a degree because I didn't want to go work in someone's cubicle, crunching the same numbers over and over and over. So I fought it for three years. Finally, I decided, uh, to be smart and go ahead and embrace that degree. And so as I was, as I was doing that in my third and fourth year, this little business started cropping up and I said, okay, okay, I'll make something of it because people were coming to me for their operational accounting. A lot of solopreneur women, a lot of, and this is when uh, remote 
bookkeeping remote accounting was just starting to become a thing. And so I was like, okay, sounds good. So fast forward to that. I ended up making a whole business out of it and hit six figures very, very easily with that because there was a need there, obviously, but I hated it. In 2018, I wanted to blow it up. I was taking time from my kids. I wasn't even spending the time with them. I had no desire to build it out with employees to try to be in the, I didn't even want to be in the accounting world. I needed something, wanted something more creative. Basically, I intuitively knew, again, I was called for more but I didn't know what more was. And every single ounce of the businesses that I had been working in and had created had a product or a service that was offered in exchange for the money. So I had, you know, I had this done for you service. I had a, a mentor um, coach of mine and she asked me one day, cause I told her, I said, I hate this. Everybody was like, you're successful. You're doing so well. Oh my gosh. You're like, this is awesome. And I'm thinking inside, I hate it. I hate this. I don't even care how much money I'm making. I hate it. My clients were amazing. I loved them. They were so sweet. They were the best of the best. But I, but I was like, it's not them. It's me. So what is wrong with me? What, what am I not seeing? And so into 2018, I was done. I was over it. I was not going to build it out. I knew I was going to pivot at that point in time. She said, why do you not coach women entrepreneurs, especially the solopreneurs you've already been pretty much coaching anyways. That was a value add that I inadvertently was giving because I knew the entrepreneurial world. I knew the ups and downs. I had done it. And so I would tell them, okay, you know, these are expected. Let's look at your KPIs. Let's look at your metrics. Let's see where are you falling? Is this make business, good business sense? And where, where is the desire for you to fulfill this piece of who you are and have that being in tandem with your business? You know, so really already doing that, she's like, why don't you just do that? I thought, oh. so she asked me a really good question. Um, what part of that do you not believe is possible? And I thought, you know, up until this point, I was always selling a product or service. Now I'm, and, and nobody could argue with that. We could, we always had high quality, high expectations, high values for our businesses. Uh, my knowledge in the accounting world, you can't argue one plus one equals two. I mean, numbers are just numbers and they're, they're factually based data if they're coming through true. And so nobody could argue that for the first time I was leaning into an area where I could be contradicted. People could disagree with me and I had to learn to be okay with that myself. And that's what I was not okay with. Mm. I had to go through a process for me to determine that I needed to stand in my world, stand in my worth and stand in what I know is right. Even if it gets objected. Mm. So I had to learn how to it's be big. okay with that. So that was my 2018 end of 2018. I faced my accounting clients out in 2019. I was just like, okay, who am I? What am I doing? Why does this matter? But the, the big core piece of this was that I was not alone in this women entrepreneurship, this rise to entrepreneurship. We women so often do not value the knowledge that we have that we will leave it on a back burner. We, we will not step forward and say, Hey, this is, this is a contribution. This is relevant. This is good. It's complimentary, you know? So we don't do that very often. We have, because for decades, the role was that we were in the shadows. We did, we were just supporting roles. We didn't actually step forward and be person and be that ability to say, here's what I'm bringing to the world, to be bold, to be fearless, to stand in what it is. We can talk it, but when we go to actions, it becomes a different thing. So I thought I'm not alone in this and I know I'm not. So I really decided at the beginning of last year that I really wanted to make a movement for women entrepreneurs to stand in the power of owning what they do, how they do it, and why it's important to the greater good of this world. Oh, okay. I wrote down a ton of notes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was I'm like, just, I need to, I'm going, I want to ask you so many questions. And for the listeners, this is so awesome. So I usually do something with my dog and I did it today and there's a dog outside barking and it, and my dog is going <laughs> crazy. <laughs> hey, this is real world. This is real. It was awesome. So I muted myself and I'm just sitting there nodding like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I want to hear about this, but I can't turn it on the mic because my dog is going nuts. <laughs> so awesome. And it was perfect because it, 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 
forced me to be quiet and let you let you do your preaching, which was awesome. Well, you know, it's just in this in so many things. First, I want to highlight for listeners. There is so much power in being willing to pivot when something's not working. Huge. And, and it's hard to know when it's not working if it's working. Does that right. make sense? Right. You know, it's like you were successful. You had a successful business. You had built success, but it wasn't aligned with your deepest callings. Yep. And that is hard to let go of sometimes. I see people do this in businesses, in relationships, with, you know, all kinds of ways where we go, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. though I don't feel like it's really my inspired path. Right. And right. so it takes a lot of courage to do what you did and let go of businesses that were successful and to step into a totally new part of yourself that was vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when she asked you that powerful question, you know, I love the power of powerful questions because I think sometimes someone will ask you one question that changes your entire trajectory of your life. Or Absolutely. Your and it's like, Wow, that's awesome. And so, you know, when you're asked that question, to me, she's asking you to step into your vulnerable space of feminine power or businesswoman power or just power, generally speaking. Right. And I think we all get called in different moments to do that. And mm-hmm. some of us stand up and go for it and others shrink and, and we're not able to step out of our comfort zone. And it takes a lot of courage to build a business. And I, you know, I like that you're highlighting the woman's journey differently from a man's, you know, historically, uh, you know, women couldn't even get credit until the seventies on their own. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like the fair credit it, it, act, 1974, yep. women couldn't even buy a house or get a credit card until 1974 on their own. So it's like that in and of itself, it's taken some time for the catch up. And now women are very powerfully stepping into business. And I look at business as a really beautiful vehicle for building wealth, using your voice, using mm-hmm. your skills, being mm-hmm. on your inspired path. And I, it's just such a powerful way to show up in the world and make a difference that's unique to you for both men and women. Absolutely. And it's not, and I want to make sure that I I put this out there. It's not one's better than the other. They're complementary because men operate a different way. And there are parts of how men operate things that I have. I have so many guys that I know that are in business too, that are super supportive of me being a powerful woman in business as well. It's not that they don't want that. It's just that so many women aren't sure of how to do that yet, because like you're saying, it's relatively new. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it's whenever there's a, a new wave of something, it's, it's, uh, there's so much expansion, but there's also a lot of fear and then there's this courage and then there's, you know, there's even uh, practical challenges that are different for women and men because of yes. the newness of it. And, you know, and I like that you talk about that complimentary part. We talk about that a little bit more, like what, what does that look like? You know, especially in a partnership, I actually work with a lot of um, entrepreneurs who are couples and it's really fun work because I see the different ways that the team complements each other mm-hmm. and how powerful that can be, but that it also brings certain challenges, right? But what do, you, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm curious about the complementary piece of the masculine, the feminine, the man, the woman, business owners, you know, t- I, I want to hear more about that. So it comes down really to a very biological um how I mean, men are made up different than women and, and however the identity is, you know, very masculine identities are different than feminine identities. So I, I, I want to make it, I'm going to pull that back and say, it's not biological. It is just the <laughs> framework. So yeah, um, like, so I mean, it's funny because I'm a sociologist, right? So I always go, it's, it's socially constructed or it's, we're socially conditioned in certain ways. Yes. Yes, yeah. very much so. But some people have a much more of a masculine drive and some yeah. have a more feminine drive. And the way the two that can complement, because there are parts of the masculine entrepreneurial drive that are more risk takers. They will forge ahead and they will just go. They don't overanalyze what what the outcome could possibly be. They take the pieces of it that they want it to be and they will go with it. Feminine more is a little bit more cautious by nature because we see the whole picture. We multitask more. Uh, there, there tends to be um, more thought that goes into it. And if you look at a lot of the ways that the feminine sides come to a, a decision, there has to be an overwhelming outcome possibility. And yet with the masculine, it doesn't have to be nearly as much. So what happens is if you can bridge the two, if both can, and there are masculine um, entrepreneurs that 
only can drive a certain way. And those are kind of the ones that are too old school to even have the conversation. I mean, they just, they just look at me and say, well, yes, it's, um, it, it, anyways, it just, it gets, it gets crazy. <laughs> and I don't even want to get into the conversation with that because it, it would steer off of too far here. But, um, uh, but I've gotten into, you know, a few, a few conversations saying that, no, 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 it's a complimentary process. So if I, my husband, for instance, he's very masculine, he's, you know, he's very assertive. No, this is no right now. This is yes right now. This is what we're going to do. And then he'll say, why to quit overanalyzing, quit overthinking, quit, you know, quit short selling yourself because you already have the contribution. You already have these things in place. Go ahead and move forward with them. So I've learned that as a feminine entrepreneur, that I do, I do have a tendency from trying and failing if, and I'm putting air quotes around it for people that can't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, but trying and failing, trying and pivoting, trying and shifting all of the things and not getting caught up on, I didn't achieve or I didn't succeed so much that I can be a risk taker. I have learned to be a little bit more of a risk taker and that has helped me move into that vulnerable spot. And so with that though, I do believe the masculine frameworks can have a higher tendency to be risk takers out of the gate a little bit sooner. We have to realize that by standing up and owning what we're doing, we have, we're going to have to take a risk. We're going to have to take a risk of being seen. We're going to have to take a risk of being vulnerably, you know, uh, disagreed with. We are going to have to take a risk on all of these emotional components that fall in place with it, as well as who we are and be okay with that. So we have to, we have, we're going to have to do the inner work to be okay with that. Whereas the masculine side of it doesn't have to quite do as much because it's just inherent in the framework. Yeah. Oh, so many good conversations. I, I have a, a, this, this guy I did a podcast with, he does a 12 hour marathon on Facebook every week. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, Ooh, let's do a 12 hour conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> I know you and I knew it when we first talked, we're, we're, we're just like, huh. it's so fun because to me, this is it's so powerful first. I mean, what you're highlighting in my mind is how each and every one of us have a blend of masculine and feminine. So yes. sometimes we want to pretend like, oh, I'm all masculine or I'm all feminine. No, it's a spectrum, right? And, and I, like, I think I work with a lot of men. And I think part of the reason is because I actually show up, my energy is pretty masculine. Like I'm a high drive, yep. high risk taker, like all these parts that are really masculine, but I look really, I look pretty feminine, you know, and I can blend the two really well. And I love to play with those energies because I think it's so powerful to hold a space for people in different ways based on their masculine and feminine Absolutely. energies, you know, and then I look at in, in men, I think the men who aren't high drive, they tend to beat themselves up and the women who aren't. Uh, you know, women who are more mass, who have maybe more masculine traits that are mm -hmm. stereotypically mm -hmm. masculine can beat themselves up too. So, mm -hmm. and, and then when you bring relationships together or you bring people in business together, that's all going on under the surface as well, right? So I'm always thinking about the way that we construct our businesses and balancing it out and that complementary piece of who do I call upon to help me balance out that, those parts of myself so that you can be, uh, I don't want to say more whole because you're whole, whether you're, let's say if you use right. gender, like you're 75% feminine and 25% masculine, you're whole, you know, loving yourself as you are is part of my whole drive to help people be authentic in themselves and really stand in their power and what's their inspired path. But thinking about these things to me is like, it's, it's, it's a really abstract conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's also so powerful in the way that we show up in our businesses and in the world. Um, so that's what, what that's what came when you said all of those things in my mind. <laughs> well, you know, it's he, think of it this way: if you look at a corporate setting, a business setting, any C-suite executive, you you are encouraged to be in order to have a good culture and to in order to yeah. drive the business forward to success. You're encouraged to hire for your weaknesses. Yeah. You know, to compensate for those. So what that essentially is doing is that, that, that executive is taking stock somehow, whether through coaching, whether through mentorship, whether through personal development on their own, however that is in analyzing without being critical who they are, where their gifts are, where their strengths are and where their lean spots are. Yeah. And so then complimenting those because they're the visionary, they're the person that is going to drive the ship or drive the, drive the car. Um, which one is which, right? <laughs> no, anyways, but, yeah. <laughs> but they're the ones that are going to 
facilitate the big vision, but yet they need those people in their world, in that business world. It's not different for entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. We just yeah. need to learn to self-identify and be able to self-assess what is it then if I lean more on the, the masculine side, then what do I need to bring on the feminine side to, to complement who I already am, the whole of who I already am? I don't ever want anybody to feel like that they're not enough or not good enough or their combination of the masculine and feminine isn't the right combination. It is right. absolutely the right combination. It's you. Yeah. But you, as you are, can surround yourself with the people that can actually shore up the areas to help you drive the mission forward. Yeah. I love that. So awesome. I want to give you high fives right now yeah. <laughs> and hugs. I know. <laughs> hugs and high fives. Um, okay. I, I want to talk about what, what do you see the biggest challenges for women entrepreneurs right now? It, you know, what do you, in the clients that you get to work with, what do you see them facing that that's the biggest struggle specific to women? Honestly, embracing the fact that they have a business. So <laughs> much of the women entrepreneur world is hobby based or side hustle or mompreneur or you know kitchen tabletop venture type mm. thought process we need to step away from those not that those are bad but let's not go ahead and cater to the cute terminology of it because we're only saying we you know, we're only saying that we aren't quite an entrepreneur. We're just kind of this person. Yes, it's, like, it's, it's like a fun game or a side note, right? And it's just something I'm doing. It's not my main source of income. First of all, you are changing lives. You're changing your clients' lives. You're changing your community's life. Women entrepreneurs spent, put ninety percent of their resources back into their direct community. I mean, it's amazing what women do, you know? Yeah. And so you're changing your family's life. You're being able to afford a vacation. You have dreams of creating this big business. You can do it. It is doable, but we don't have on the masculine side of it. When men are entrepreneurs or um, go out there and create this business, we don't call them, you know, garage dads or we don't, you know, it's, they, there is an assumption of the entrepreneurial space that the masculine entrepreneurs take on that feminine entrepreneurs hold back from a little bit. We need to own the fact yeah. that we are in business. It is a business. It makes money. It is not a side hustle and you can have it just be a part-time thing. It doesn't have to overtake your world, but you can also own the fact because there's a powerful component to that, to standing in the space that I am an entrepreneur. I am a business owner and I make a difference in the world. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> it, this is interesting because it, what it, to me, what, what comes up is the minimization of your power, mm -hmm. you know? So when we want to pretend that what we're doing is less important than it is, it's that minimization of your power. And when we do that, it dilutes what you allow yourself to bring to the table and it dilutes the flow of, of, of money and abundance and acknowledgement to you, which is, uh, you know, if you think of magnetism or law of attraction, it's like you're actually stopping the flow by minimizing your power. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it, when I see women doing this a lot. It, it has been interesting to work with men and see them do the same thing. You know, I think when people step into the entrepreneurial space, if it's new for them, it's scary. There's a lot of fear that is involved, yeah. self-doubt, wondering if you can do it, deciding when to put on the entrepreneurial hat. Like what you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, you go like really the, hard, the hardest challenge is just deciding that it's a business and deciding that it's a serious business and deciding that you can do it. And it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, you got to have that entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. and, and, the and, best, and women struggle with that more, I think, because they they the, the spotlight hasn't been shining them in certain ways. Right. And now it's like, let's step into the light and bring our full power, everybody, and especially women, because the door is open and the opportunity is there. So right. who are you going to allow yourself to become and be and project yourself as in the entrepreneurial space? Mm -hmm. And, and like, that, that space, that door, that space can only be filled by you. Yeah. I mean, nobody yes. else can feel that. So until we want to step into it, then we are not actually, we're leaving a hole somewhere because we know internally, because women do, do have an, an intuitive piece to it. Actually, I think a lot of entrepreneurs in general have a sense of vision and intuition because they, if they don't have it right out of the gate, they will actually 
figure that out. Um, but the first step that I would say in order to start claiming that ownership is to stop saying I have a side hustle and start saying I have a business. Even yes. if it's making $500 a month, doesn't matter. You have a business. Yeah. Own it because there's a power in that. There's yeah. a power in the statement. And it's not for the recipient that's hearing that statement so much as it is for you saying it, claiming it, owning it. Yes. It. Absolutely. Good one. Thank you. And I love practical, actionable strategies. So it's really helpful. Like if you are stuck in that mindset of minimizing your business, how do you own it? I think it was, I can't remember. It was one of the like, you know, uh, a, the personal development and growth conversations around like when you step into something, do speak about it as if it is instead right. of what you're building or what you're moving toward. It's like, okay, here, yeah, I'm a powerful businesswoman. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, how does that feel different than I'm build? I'm trying to build a side hustle or I'm, I have a side hustle. It's like, I'm a powerful business owner. Yes. Right. You know, like it feels completely different and you project yourself differently. So, so that's a great actionable tip. What's another one? What can you think of when women are stuck in that space or people, entrepreneurs generally, when they're stuck in that space of minimizing their business, fear that they can't do it, self-doubt about where they're going. Do you have another tip that you could offer listeners? Self-doubt rolls with imposter syndrome a lot. They go hand in hand. Yeah. And, and two things, don't overanalyze the lack of your knowledge there. We will never know everything and there will always be someone out there that has it. So don't overanalyze that too much. Learn what you need to learn, but make sure you stay consistent on implementation. If you are not applying something that you've learned on a daily basis that pushes you outside of your comfort zone, you are not growing. So continue to grow and continue to apply and implement, even if it's in small measures. There are some days that I just, I don't have it. I don't have the mental bandwidth. I don't have the physical bandwidth. I just don't have it. And, but I'm okay with that. I recognize that that's the case. I recognize maybe I need to step away and recognize that if I, I need to show up and be present for the responsibilities or the calls that I have or the meetings that I've already assigned for the day, put my energy towards those, but block out the next day, block out something else and, and make sure that I'm aware of who I am and where I'm at, but I'm not over emphasizing my lack. What I, cause we, we will always assume. Yeah what that is. We will always know what that is. We're going to be the hardest on ourselves the most critical on ourselves as entrepreneurs in general, because the isolation component of being an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter how many groups you're part of, how much networking you do, how many visits you have, meetings, coffee, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You're always going to have a sense of isolation because nobody is in your head with you. So don't allow that room to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Always be moving forward by implementing something that you learned something that you're moving towards something of what that goal is. Mm, so powerful. So, so powerful. You know, thinking about the, I, I talk a lot about the law of attraction and thinking about what you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on the lack piece that expands, if you're focusing Absolutely. on what you are already powerful in and, and skilled at doing focus on that, because I love what you're saying. You're never going to know it all. And I think that perfectionist piece goes along with um, imposter syndrome. And when we want to be perfect, we think we need to know everything and always mm -hmm. have all the answers. And, mm -hmm. and I, this is something, you know, I, I taught classes at CU for sex, gender, and society. And I'd often talk about how, you know, when a man steps into the room versus a woman stepping into the room, the man assumes it's totally okay to not know. The woman assumes she needs to know everything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it and causes even, fear, and even she does. anxiety. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it, it, it's interesting how, I mean, there's tons of studies to support that. And so women need to step into their power in that way of, of, you know, it's, it, it was, it used to be so hard for me to ask questions, to say, I didn't know. Uh, I, I just, I couldn't stand looking stupid or not thinking that I, that I had all the answers. So I just wouldn't ask. And then as I started to shift and step into my power more, I was like, I love asking questions. And mm -hmm. usually I'd have people come and say to me, thank you so much for asking. I want to have the same question, right. but I didn't have the courage to ask. And I'm like, and now I'm just like the question master. <laughs> and I'm also good at saying, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I'll get, I'll get it for you. You know, or let's see who else have, might have the answer in the room. You know, it, it's just right. commanding a space differently because you're able to be authentically yourself and know that you're perfect as you are. Exactly. And don't need to be okay. someone else. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And you know what, in doing that, it's going to, it's going to be counterproductive or not counterproductive counter to what you are thinking it is anyways. It's not going to be as you're assuming what yeah. you're going to do is you're going to empower other people to stand in their own knowledge and their own worth and their yes. own vision. You're going to give them the opportunity to see what it looks like to set the example for what it looks like to be a powerful human. Yeah. Ooh, that gave me the chills. And I want to ask you specifically what, if, you know, speaking to the women out there, like this encouraging piece, like what is it that you, what's the feminine power that you, that they get to bring to the table? Like if you could distill it into a, a statement, like what is it? Actually it's awareness. Ooh. Feminine power has a very tight connection to awareness because we have that uh, kind of that uh, cross-platform thinking, the multitasking opportunities that are inherent to who we are, we are able to also come with an awareness. So without coming into something thinking we need to know everything, come into it fully aware and fully present because then we will be able to answer specifically. We'll be able to assist how we were meant to. We will be open and willing to let the journey itself be what it is meant to be for the time frame, to, for the connection, for whatever it is that you're supposed to learn, they're supposed to learn, and whoever is connected or filters through the connection. There is an awareness of being wholesomely present that mm. comes along with, with feminine entrepreneurship that needs, we need it actually. We can change the world with this because we have a very two-dimensional masculine um, already thought process going along that we really need to bring this dynamic that is so complementary. but we have the ability to be aware. We have the ability to open it up so much more than it is. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, and it, it's interesting in my business, getting to work with men, it's that piece of holding a space of that intuitive awareness and allowing them to unfold and blossom. Because mm -hmm. the truth is men are wearing, I mean, I think we all wear masks, but when men wear a lot of masks, we yes. all wear a lot of masks, but like we do, in but particular yes. men kind of wear the like masculine box mask of like, I'm tough. I'm strong. I know the answers. I don't, I don't it's really the, feel sad. I'm not scared. And then the it's the old hunter gatherer. Totally. And I, you know, it's like getting yeah. to work with men. I'm like, oh, they're terrified just like women are. And I never yeah. knew that before. You know, I was just held, you know, I, ha I, I, uh, I think because I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian family, I had a lot of black and white thinking. So I would hold, I would think of a whole of, of like, oh, a rich person represents all rich people and they're all, their lives are all amazing <laughs> because they're right. rich. <laughs> right. Similarly, I was like, oh, men are this way. And women yes. are this way. And now I'm like, oh, the picture is so much more complex than that. And as humans, we all experience doubt, fear, lack of courage, not knowing if we're good enough, not knowing if we are going to be loved enough, like all those things, right? right? But, but we hold different masks to, to, to project it in different ways. And so that, mm -hmm. that beauty of coming together in the masculine and feminine is, I think, helps the whole world be more whole. It does. And another, another component to that is a sense of belonging because human, we yeah. as humans, we, we have an inherent drive to want to belong somewhere. So if we can actually learn somehow, if we don't have this already, but lean into it a little bit, I'll say is, is better terminology, but if we can lean into the sense of belonging and knowing mm -hmm. that if we can create that and that we can actually foster it, then we can be objected to and it's going to just bounce off because yeah. we already know we belong. It's when yeah. we lack a sense of belonging that we become insecure in some, some ways that other people or the world can see us, view us, you know, um, object to us. Yeah. But if we're grounded in a sense of belonging, yeah. it's powerful. So true. Ugh. Okay. I'm going to ask you a few more questions. So one in, in your business, you, you know, you said you're a serial entrepreneur, you've been building businesses for a lot of years. And, you know, I think sometimes when people are listening who are newer in, in entrepreneurs and they're like, Oh, she's just a badass and just, it all worked out, you know, and, and your failures, your, you know, in, in air quotes, mm -hmm. failures were chosen. You know, what were some of the challenges? Like, I, I just, I want to hear when you faced challenges in your business, what did you do to overcome? Because I'm certain you had moments where you were scared and where mm -hmm. you didn't know the answers. And, you know, mm -hmm. what did you do in those moments, you know, offering for the listeners, if they're in that moment, what did, 
what can they do to step into or lean into the fear of entrepreneurism? That goes really well with if, if I could tell my, my old self, my early entrepreneur self, what I know now. Yeah, very much so. So I can come from this space now because I dealt with it, felt, figured it out and stared it down. That's the number one thing is that when you are feeling a sense of failure or a sense of this is not working out or even listening, thinking that maybe I, you know, orchestrated my pivots. I didn't orchestrate all of those. Some of those were handed to me that I did not want. <laughs> I didn't want, I mean, I did not want to not do the farm. But I knew that, that doing, I loved, loved, loved that life. I loved doing what I was, you know, what we were creating and the difference we were making in the trail we were blazing. Problem was, is that I had two choices. I could either tough it out. And this goes for any entrepreneur at any given point in time where they're faced with a crossroad. I can tough it out. I could stick it out. I can grind this. I can actually get through this. I can make this work. But if I'm being true to myself, I have to stop and say, let me analyze this from a 10,000 foot view. Am I forging this direction to make something happen? And is that ultimately what I want? Is that ultimately my bigger picture? What does my future look like? What do I want my future to look like? Because in wanting to my, my future to look like something specific, I was able to reverse engineer that back and say, you know what? I made that choice because intuitively, not then, now I can look back and say that, but then I intuitively made the decision because the, the desire for what I wanted my future to look like was outweighed the push to grind and make this happen. We could have been more successful with that farm. We could have blown it out of the water. We were at the tipping point of the entire culture out there for the sustainable farming. We were yeah. trailblazing it. We could have done it. We had people even tell us you gave up a year too early, mm. but I didn't give up. I yeah. could, I knew that that ultimately was not going to be the end of my life. I mean, it not, not as an end my life type scenario, but that was not going to, I'm not going to ride into the sunset with that. There was more and I didn't know how to find more, but what I knew is that more was not right here. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay to look at that even in ignorance and say, I don't even know what the heck I'm going back to Colorado for. I don't even know what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. I had no idea. And it was scary as crap. I'll tell you that. It was scary. We were staring down an entirely new life in our mid to late thirties. And, and we had no idea what that looked like. And frankly, yeah. it sucked for the first year. It did. So it wasn't a glamorous shift. Um, it was a lot of dealing with failure, a lot of imposter syndrome. But what I did do is I had to shut that component down of judging myself for the decision or, or doubting the decision I made in order to be able to move towards the vision of what I know I want my life to be. Mm. That's the bigger picture. So you don't have the answers. You're not going to have the answer. Yeah. But it's okay. When, when you get to a different point, when you get past it and through it, you'll look back and see, I see why but you're yeah. not going to know why right now. Yeah, you know, and it's okay. Yeah. Trust your gut though. Lean into who you are. Yeah. I love this. Okay. So for listeners where we add the recording and actually YouTube won't go this far either, but on <laughs> white doves wall, she has a statement that says, let your faith be bigger than your fear. It's exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> totally. Totally. What I'm so it's about. so cool that you, you live it, you know, you're living it. You're leaning mm -hmm. into the fear because you have faith and trust that whatever the calling is, you're going to you're going to go. And even though you don't know the answers, you know, your bigger vision, you know, your yes. bigger why, and you take action in that direction and trust that it'll unfold the way it's supposed to. And in all honesty, everything that is meant for you in your life whether you make a shift that is out of line with it, or you grind something longer than you should have, or the success you realize is not the success that you wanted. Yeah. Any of those cannot stop what inevitably you're supposed to receive. Yeah. Inevitably what you're supposed to do. So it's not even, even those we can make decisions and it's going to wind, but it's still, ultimately, we're still going to receive what we're supposed to receive. We're going to enjoy what we're going to enjoy. We're going to learn what we need to learn no matter how. Yeah. Uh, this has been so incredibly rich. Uh, I hope that for everyone listening, you're rewinding and taking notes and getting inspired because <laughs> this is really rich. Okay. So what, tell us what your top three max potential habits that you believe got you where you are today. I'd say my number one is 
spending time with myself, mm. honoring myself on a regular basis, giving myself the freedom to not have to, at this stage, have to think I have to grind till midnight, giving myself the space to lean into the lifestyle that I want to work towards and that I choose to want, choose to live, but already start now. So I lean into my own space and I mm. lean into who I am and I don't force something. Um, my second max potential habit um, is definitely meditational. Mm. And that goes with the, along with the first one though. Yeah. You know, so you kind of can't have one without the other. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> so, almost always blend for everybody. <laughs> they have to. Yeah. Um, but really, really in the meditational side of it, being self-acceptant mm. that we humans are not perfect. We can strive for perfection and we can get points of perfection, but we will doubt ourselves. So in meditating brings it back down to a basis of a foundation of who you are and accepting and loving who you are. You cannot love the rest of the world if you do not love yourself first. It's been proven. You can't. So bringing that back into it centers my why, centers my business, centers my connections. And my connections are very deep on, I mean, this is, if someone says, hey, white, let's go have coffee and you want to pick my brain about something, I'm going to give it to you. You know, I mean, we're going to talk. We're going to yeah. really dive into the conversation. I don't sugarcoat it, Yeah, you know, but that's what they want. That's what everybody wants. They want real, authentic. Um, the last one is, is awareness, 100% awareness. Awareness of my space, shutting off notica- notifications on my phone, um, uh, closing tabs on my browser, being consciously, presently aware of the action that I am currently in. We, we have a drive to think forward because we are working towards this vision of what we're trying to achieve. But we cannot live in that future there in our thought process while we're working on the steps to get there. We have to be present in the steps because there are things to learn, things to know, and things that we need to go through. And I catch myself, I'll catch myself on Facebook because I'm back and forth in there. I do a lot. I have groups. I have, I have the stuff, you know, I can't converse. And so I catch myself and I'm doing my work stuff. And then I'll just be like scrolling. I'm like, why did you scrolling? Close the tab, just close it. But it's training myself to be aware that something triggers me. So I don't end up 30 minutes down that path. I catch it in the first couple of minutes. I'm like, break it, break now, stop it and just close a tab. And then like yesterday I did, I was doing that and I was like, nope, shut the tab. And then, cause it, it'll, it'll stop that process of mindlessness. And then, and which stops me from being productive on what I'm trying to accomplish in that time frame. Yeah. So then I, but then I was like, oh yeah, I need to actually look up. I need to uh, reply to someone's conversation. So I went and opened it back up, but my mindset was completely different because I opened back up straight into the conversation, straight into a reply. Yeah, so it was, intentional. It was straight into the intentional stuff. Yeah. Otherwise I would have been, I could have been just mindset scrolling for a while. Yeah. So awareness, awareness is so big. Huge, 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 huge. I mean, it's, it's really the beginning of everything, right? Because yes. in mindset training, you've got to be aware that you're off in order to even step into a new direction. So much. Yeah. Ah, so good. Okay. I'm certain people are going to want to connect with you. So let everyone know the best ways to connect with you. You can find me all over social white of Gannon. It's either white of dash Gannon, white of underscore Gannon, or just type in white of Gannon because it, it's an identifier. (laughs) My dad branded me. Unique name. (laughs) I was wondering, I didn't know if you named yourself or if that was your, oh wow. That was your given name. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, so find me, message me. I am the one that answers any of my messages. I will always have a conversation. I don't, you know, I'm not unapproachable. In fact, I love being approached. I love connection. I even love people coming in and saying, you know, here, let's be friends. Okay. And then they turn around and send me a page to like, and I'm like, that's cool. Let's see what we got. You know, who are you? You know, so I get to learn about people. Um, And then also you can email me straight to info at whitedove-gannon.com. Again, I answer all of it. I don't outsource any of that. So if you want to have a conversation, go right ahead. Awesome. Okay. And I know that you have a giveaway for everyone listening. So where can they find that and tell us about it? Yes. It's the Become Unstoppable Challenge. And I'm just rolling this out because I I really want to get to the heart of what everybody needs to find out for themselves in order to crush their business. Awesome. Okay. And for everyone listening, all of those links are going to be in the show notes. And also make sure that you listen to her new podcast. And it's if they look up Fem Nation Podcast, that's how they find you. Okay. So Fem Nation Podcast 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, you're how, what episode number are you on? Oh, 89. Okay, so you're close to 100. So really developed. I got to listen to it uh, yesterday and I was like, yes, 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 awesome. There's tons of great tips, good interviews, uh, really connected. So be sure to connect with White Dove. Thank you so much for being here. It's been incredible. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to have wine or coffee with you in person and jam oh, yeah. for hours. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being here this week. If you loved what you heard, be sure to blast it out on social media channels. Tag both of us, White Dove Gannon and NFA Coaching. Share with us what you learned, uh, comments, tips. Like, you know, we love to hear from you. That's why we do this. We yes. want to hear from you. <laughs> so contact us and, and you know, put, bless us in your story and, and you know, leave a, a comment about what you learned today or what you took away, something that inspired you. And I will be back next week. I hope you all have an incredible, fulfilling, meaningful, awesome week where you thrive and feel alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits Podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free eBooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus links to NFA coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one -on -one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.